Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. The podcast that is always punctual, never on time. No, wait, I got that wrong. Anyway, you get the drift. You get the drift. My name is Chris and I am your host. And yes, I'm a little bit out of breath because I've just run home from work. Anyway, let's get into my guests. As usual, I've got Phil and I've got Jess with me this evening. Hello to both. Hello. I, I promise I'll try not to pant through this. All right, I will do my very best. Right, uh, we are going to have um, a slightly shorter pod this week. To be fair, Nice Rance was very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite glad. It's the, one of the few games that actually wasn't that exciting, but we'll skip over that one. We're, um, we're going to do a slightly different pod this week in that the focus is going to be heavily on the top four. So if you are a supporter of any club that is not in the top four, uh, don't tune off, but maybe just sort of wait for another week for your club to be uh, analysed in a bit of detail. So we came into the weekend um, with the uh, table, uh, basically with Lille top, PSG second, Monaco third and Lyon fourth. And that is exactly how we ended the weekend. So let's <laughs> break it down, shall we? Um, the weekend got underway. Uh, Jez, I'm going to have to come to you with a little bit of pain, although I'm pretty sure on last week's pod you said, don't mind too much if Mets were to lose to Lille, um, given the sort of the, the title race, etc. That is what happened. Wasn't the full story, though, was it? Uh, Burak Yilmaz with a, a really well hit near post drive to put Lille in front on 60 minutes and uh, a late goal from Zeki Celik kind of rounded it off. But it was far from straightforward, was it? Mets were very, very dogged, very determined, had a couple of chances themselves. But ultimately, this is uh, probably a performance of potential champions for Lille. Uh, to be honest, I think dogged, determined and a couple of chances is doing mess quite down. I thought um, for most of the match they dominated, had really good chances and they were better than dogged and determined. I think they outplayed Lille for a lot of the match. But um, I guess in the end, quality sort of um, came through. And, you know, certainly in terms of attackers, you know, it's, it's no coincidence that Messi's top scorer is still Nian, and he's been out since the sixth match of the season. Um, we just don't have any other particular quality um, up front. The sort of backup striker was Opanget, who's been out for two or three months now as well. And you saw with the sort of one chance that Yilmaz had, how he put that away. And, you know, even we missed a penalty in the first half, which... To be completely honest, for me, it was probably justice done. I, mean, I think it was quite a harsh decision, but um, we had our chances. We we hit the post. Menor had another superb match. And mm. you look at Lekip's team of the week, the fact that Menor and two of Lille's four defenders are in the team of the week, I think probably says quite a lot about how Mess dominated the match. But Lille, got, Lille managed to, to find a way again. And I think there's been a little bit there's been a lot of harsh criticism of them recently saying, you know, they're just digging out these results and they're not playing good football. I think for a lot of the season, they did play decent football and now they're sort of bedding in, but there's nothing wrong with that. As Galtier has shown throughout his coaching career, there's different ways of winning matches. He's And he's actually showing that this little team is capable of doing both kinds, I think. And um, that's fine with me. You know, when it gets to squeaky bum time of the season, then sometimes that's what you need. And, We'll get to it later, but you know, PSG in the last week or so has shown how how important it is to play as a team, irrespective of the quality you've got in your team. If you're playing as a collective rather than 
11 very talented individuals, it makes a massive, massive difference. And that's what Lille have been succeeding in doing, even when they're not playing well. So good luck to them. But yeah, you're, you're right. I, if we're going to lose to anyone, I don't mind it being Lille because I want them to win the league. But the way it panned out was pretty frustrating. Yeah, I, w- I will actually. I will sort of slightly backtrack on, on. I was probably being a bit harsh. It would be fair to say Mets were were a little bit more than than dogged. I'll stick with Long determined because because they definitely yes. were determined to try and get something from the game. And that manual penalty save in particular, as well as a couple of his other saves, but the penalty save so crucial because I think if that goes in, the whole seven game saves he made. I mean, you you said performance of champions. I it could be, you know. Who's going to get goalkeeper of the year in the uh, UNFP awards at the end of the season? Because Menor and, and Navas are both um, absolutely uh, shutting things down. That was a really good performance from him. And I think what Jez said about what Lille had to do defensively uh, is uh, very key, but that's also part of why they're up there, you know. 19 goals conceded the lowest uh, by four of um, everybody else in the league. So they are, in a sense, they're doing it at both ends. And that's what you need if you're going to, uh, if if you're going to, um, you know, compete. Yeah, grind out a title. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It was, um, I say that that finish from Yilmaz, although, yeah, you could probably say, could a kid you do, do better? It's in his near post, but it's such a, a hammer of a shot. And fair play, like Yilmaz, a, a guy of his age, he's come in and, and been really good. A little. I don't think he's got anywhere near as much credit. This is a guy who's played in Turkey his whole career. I mean, this, this is. This is a, a man of 35. I just think he's been really, really impressive. So fair play to Lille and, uh, and Gaultier. And once again, some uh, some terrific pictures from that game of the uh, dressing room scenes afterwards. So fair play to Lille. That threw the gauntlet down to PSG, who um, will touch on their game with Strasbourg uh, in a second. I do just want to address the, the Champions League fixture slash fixtures. Um, in terms of what happened last week, they were, um, Phil, I'll start with you, really impressive in beating Bayern Munich in the snow in Bavaria, uh, winning by three goals to two. It was a little bit video gamey in the sense that they sat deep, uh, relied on Kalor Navas, who was sensational. I thought Kimpembe and of all people, Colin Dagba, I thought was really good on, on the night. But they had that that X factor in the final third and Bappe with a couple of excellent goals, albeit the first one was a touch, touch fortunate, but um, what a result for PSG as they head into the second leg tomorrow to win in, in Munich. Yeah. I mean, definitely we, it was a chaotic game. Um, and uh, I know I'm the stats nerd, but uh, Mike Cayley's XG had it at 3.6 versus 1.7. Um and basically said, who needs to watch a match when you just can snort cocaine and ride a motorcycle out of a helicopter? Um, Because it did feel just like a brilliant uh, Champions League evening. I'm sure if you are a fan of either team, you were having absolute fits uh, throughout. But I the first goal, so early, Neuer messing up, really quite badly on that front as Mbappe got his first. 
than Marquinhos, who obviously has been a fabulous player for PSG, and that was brilliant to see him go to goal. Neymar assisting both of them. And then everything, it was like, oh my God, what's happened now? Which you promoting, obviously getting his revenge and getting one back. And then Marquinhos went off and then Danilo drops back to centre-back and it's like, ah, 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 ah. But they kept it moving. And the fact that having, uh, Bayern having equalised, obviously they didn't have Lewandowski and they won't have, I think, tomorrow as well. But the the final goal, that Mbappe solo run, just wonderful to see. the the amount of the amount of shit he can put up, people. If you see what I mean, um, mm. he doesn't run down the wing; he runs at the goal. And I know that seems a very, very sort of simplistic thing to say, but it does seem to scare the living shit out of people. So direct. Yeah. The the fact that what was it, thirty-one shots to six or something yeah. like that. Oof. But even though they've won and they've got three away goals, which in the current circumstances I think away goals are even more pointless than usual. But you still can't say they're gonna win tomorrow. No. Because how likely is it that that kind of uh, perfect storm is going to come together again. It This could be... Anything could happen again. More motorcycles, more helicopters. Really could be a, a, a nuts game, and we'll, we'll sort of incorporate a look ahead to that whilst we talk Strasbourg. Jess, uh, they won by four goals to one on on, uh, on Saturday, and Bappe with a, another... Another two, go- another two goals with another goal and uh, sort of just performing that kind of it just just looked like a player who was playing within himself, but still was capable of turning up the gears whenever he wanted to. And, and I thought the first thought the opening goal was actually really good. The only place he could hit it through Matt Sells and at the near post, really good finish. Sarabia with the second equally Terrific football to set that one in in, in motion. Moise Ken finished it before half time. Uh, Sahi scored probably the goal of the game with a, a really nicely taken volley at the near post, uh, or half volley, I should say, just after half time with Paredes with a, a delightful free kick of all things. So uh, he's got that in his locker to win 4 1. Um, just sort of talk me through a little bit about where you see PSG's season at the moment because wh- where's their focus now? Yeah, it's all very well rocking up and, and beating Strasbourg, who, albeit were you know stubborn opposition but ultimately the quality told but as phil mentioned that by Munich game tomorrow i mean it, it's massive isn't it that's a real it's a real opportunity to lay the ghost of the final progress to a tie which i don't think is 100 percent manchester city at the moment but either or i guess they'll be cheering on dortmund where do you sort of see psg's priorities if indeed they get through this tie with Bayern, and, and do you think they get through this tie with Bayern? I think the priority is definitely Champions League. If you, if you said to them now, you can have the Champions League trophy, but not Liga, they'll they'll take it all day long. But obviously, the idea will be for them to win both. Um, so you know, while they're well in the tie, you know, maybe it would be different if they lost it, lost the first leg three nil or something. But as long as they're in the tie and and you know, favourites to go through at the moment, that that's got to be their priority. And Man City, yes, on paper. Uh, uh, prop would probably be favourites against PSG, but so would Bayern. And 
remember that PSG aren't the only, as we've covered before, they're certainly not the only club owned by a nasty Middle Eastern state that um, crashes and burns in embarrassing fashion every year in the Champions League. It's just that um, in the English media, we're only allowed to take the piss out of them and, and criticise them and not the, uh, the a certain English club. That's the rules. Um, yeah. But in terms of whether they go through, it, like I said, they're favourites because they've won the away leg. Bayern effectively have to win by two goals in Paris. So on the one side, you'd say, well, you know, this should be a cakewalk to PSG. But we saw in the last round, they, they smashed Barcelona away and were pretty lucky uh, not to, uh, to get through the second leg. They were so awful in Paris. So, you know, they're forewarned. And like we said, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly a freak result last week because PSG sort of played the perfect match, you know, very, very solid defensively and, and um, uh, punished Bayern on the break. But when the stats are 30 shots to six or whatever, you can also say, well, clearly Bayern were more, or less, you know, the better team made all the running. It only takes a couple of those chances to be put away and things are very different. So they've got to be wary, but they're in such a good position now that it's going to be another, I think it's fair to say it would be another embarrassment if they didn't get through. And yeah. in Mbappe, they've just, you know, he's had a lot of criticism in recent weeks and I do think it's deserved. And he gave a really interesting interview the other day about ego and saying, you know, you need to have ego because, uh, you know, if, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to, all this kind of thing. And I, I agreed with some of what he said and I disagreed with some because I do think a lot of the criticism he's had has been deserved. I think he sometimes for France and PSG can be too selfish at times. Um, and uh, just so does sometimes need to improve his decision-making and know when to keep the ball, when to bring uh, teammates into play, that kind of thing. But at the same time, you've also got to remember that unlike certain other superstars who, who've been resting for um, most of the last, well, four years or so, Mbappe has been playing pretty much week in, week out, almost non-stop for, for a good sort of two, three, four years now. And he's still a kid, really. Um, so it's really nice to see him sort of back to form, it, which is a crazy thing to say, considering he's the you know top scorer at the moment in Ligue 1 again. But, um, you know, with some of that criticism, you look at the t and still people saying he's a flat track bully or all he's got is speed and nothing else. You look at the teams that he scores against, apart from being a World Cup winner, you know, he scored and away from home at Barcelona, at Juventus, at Man City, at um, Bayern now. You know, this is a top, top player who raises his game as well. And going to the Strasbourg game, I thought what was great about his goal, the first goal, was he, he kind of takes the ball on the left and you're like, is he going to score that goal that he scored against Argentina and against Barcelona? Or is he going to score the goal that he scored against <laughs> um, Croatia and Bayern Munich? And it's almost like, you know what two or three things he's got um, in his armory, but that doesn't mean you can defend it because he's got more than, you know, he's got two or three things and he can do them at such pace. Mm. Um, so he went for the Argentina Barcelona option and, and, um, yeah, like you said, it was a great finish and it's, it's set like picking up the menu, up. isn't it? Yeah, I'll have the Argentina Barcelona for starters. <laughs> and then <laughs> I do I do find it funny how you know we we all crave 
the sort of Messi, Ronaldo heir apparent, we all crave the future of football and the excitement of youngsters coming through. And then the minute they start to uh, set these records and, and achieve these these landmarks, we then spend our, I say we, not us, but a lot of the media spend their time tearing them apart and saying, well, that actually they're not as good as you thought. And it is it is funny, isn't it? It does it does make you chuckle how, how the media does spin things. But yeah, I like you both. I... Um, as much as it sort of makes me feel a little bit a little bit woozy cheering on BSG in Europe, you know, you want them to do well in the Champions League for for French football, and I do I do have a feeling they'll have just about enough to beat Bayern, but I don't think there's any way it will be straightforward. I think we're going to have quite a lot of twists and turns, maybe even extra time. I yeah, I think this is going to be a definite. Score. Get the biscuits and a bottle of your favourite in. Yeah, and I think Kalor Navas is going to have to be once again. Uh, yeah. fantastic and he was really fantastic in in Bayern it has to be said and, uh, and 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 a little bit of credit to a certain brazilian who i thought um quietly had a very good game in in munich as well so fair play to him let's come back home though and uh, phil you get monaco they uh beat dijon by three goals to nil normally you would say second half though well, it this, was this is what I was going to say because yeah. you know you you look at it and you go yeah, Dijon they're basically on the beach they know they're going to Ligue 2 if they, if they don't know they're, they're deluded because they are but um, it took quite a performance second half from Monaco two goals for Ben Yedda. Um, one was a sort of rebound from a penalty and then he later scored a penalty and uh, sorry Jovetic was, was um, uh, Ben Yedda's penalty rebound um, the second goal was bizarre because everyone just stopped and Ben Yedda went okay well I'm just going to put this in the net and it was indeed onside but yeah that second half performance it once again you know could easily have, have gone wonky but they dug in and well I, I but it got it done I don't know I think it was a nervy first half but it did feel inevitable that that's true yeah. Dijon just don't have it in them to hold out that long it's kind of like going nil nil at half time that's like well done lads um but yes, it was, and the fact that, you know, two penalties were given, they were really starting to lose it a bit in that second half. So I'm, I'm very happy that Wissam Ben Yedder obviously is, is back scoring and looking cheerful as ever. Um, so that's a, a good thing. But, you know, this is one where all of the top four all won, as you said, to keep things level. So that's the kind of nervy thing. Do you want to be the, you know, the one kid who doesn't make it? Um, but Monaco did that to set up, obviously, the Lyon game last on. Uh, so I think it was pretty inevitable under the circumstances. But yeah, for the first 45 minutes, it was a bit, bit awkward. Um, while we just watched Monaco try to break Dijon down and Dijon just cracked uh, in the end. They've got an element of self-combustion about them, haven't they, Dijon? <laughs> you just uh, you just kind of felt with some of the, the, the two challenges that resulted in penalties in particular were, I think one of them for memory was a little bit sus, but ultimately the player dived in. Um, they just have that, yeah, that sort of feel of, we know what's coming. They have but... 15 points. Yeah. After 32 games. Yeah, it's not I ideal. Mean, they're, they're bad. Yeah, yeah. And and they have the look of, I hope I'm wrong, because 
I do like them as a club, but they have that look of a club that could sort of tumble down to well, middle middle what league. What often well. happens is if someone goes down, their best players get picked off. Yeah, picked off. Who would you pick? I mean, not many. If I'm still a man, like, a Kulit Manga they can probably might do a job. Actually, manage to keep the team together. And yeah, do reasonably because there's nobody in there. Maybe that you think. Oh, yeah, a couple of million quid on him would be a good bet. A couple of youngsters. I mean, Panzo, Zagre, uh, probably a couple of those. Dio yeah, but are they but... any of the ones that are actually playing at the moment? Not usually, I mean, I think Panzo's made exactly. 17 appearances. Zagre's hardly played at all. Mama Balder, possibly. But, yeah, I'd, yeah, I take I, the point. I don't think they're going to be gutted in the same way some other clubs are gutted. And that no. might play in their favour, but they've got 15 points. I know I keep saying it, but they do. It ain't good, so, is it? Yeah, it yeah. ain't good. But uh, fair play to Monaco, as I say, they they uh, they got the job done, a clean sheet for them, and uh, a victory once again. They keep up the pressure on those above them. They are just not going away. And it would be fair to say, Jez, Leon are also not going away. They are kind of clinging on the coattails a little bit but you know it is only five points to the top place and they are only one point to Monaco in third and two points further um or a point extra away from PSG two points adrift I should have said really it'd be better English but they uh, they got a 3-0 win over Angers in uh I kind of had a bit of an eye on this one as well as the Arsenal game and they they looked fairly comfortable overall that said Angers did have a couple of chances early on. It could have been a little bit different had Bahokan put his chance away. But uh, Depay and Paqueta seeing off Angers in the end too for Depay, I should, should mention. What's your views? Anything you've seen from this Leon side in this game that makes you rethink the fact we've kind of written them off the past two weeks? I'll say we, I have certainly. Uh, in this game, yes, because they played well and Paqueta and Depay had really good games. And when two players of that quality play well, then you've got a decent chance of, of winning any match. Um, the problem is that I don't, I don't really think you can ever judge Lyon on one game. You need to sort of judge them on maybe a month's worth of, of matches or something like that, because, um, you know, we know, we, we've always known for however many years, um, you know, just... For example, just since we've been doing the podcast, Lyon have always been Lyon, that on their day they can beat anyone and on, the, on their day they can lose to anyone. So if this Lyon manages to keep up this form till the end of the season and they've still got Lille and Monaco to play, then you know it's not all in their hands, but they can certainly sort of push their way up from fourth and, and be real contenders. Um, it's just that I don't know if they are capable of doing that. Um, I'm still not sure that Garcia even knows what his best team is. Um, and possibly more than any other, well, not more, I think you can say it about PSG, but do, PSG do show it occasionally. Lyon are the type that need to rely more on individual bits of brilliance than, um, than a, a really sort of cohesive team unit. But I was also really pleased to see Kakare um, playing so well, I just I think he's said before. I think he's such a good player. I think he should be used a lot more. Yeah. I think that's probably one thing that Leon have sometimes missed out on. And I think he is the kind of player that can make it more of a team effort just by virtue of his style of play. It's sort of 
um, you know, he does a little bit of everything, you know, dropping back to make the tackles and a lot of sort of one-touch football to, to bring other teammates into play and take um, opponents out of play. And I think that's what they need. And, um, you know, I know he's injured, so it's a gratuitous dig, but that's what I think Awa doesn't do. He goes missing. He sometimes slows the game down a little bit too much. And, um, you know, I think it's, it could be a blessing in disguise if we see Kakare staying in the team for, for the rest of the season. But, um, yeah, those Lille and Monaco matches are huge. And we've seen that they, they are capable of smashing Monaco, although I don't think this is anywhere near the same kind of Monaco team that they played earlier in the season. Um, so, for me, they're still the outsiders, but um, I'm not going to say they're definitely out of it yet. No, no, I can confirm, by the way, pod listeners, that uh, Hussam Awar has indeed scratched the name Jeremy Smith off his Christmas card list officially now. Uh, that relationship <laughs> has gone. You probably only so... got halfway through the name and then couldn't be asked. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Very good. But uh, yeah, Leon, Leon are not going away. And yeah, to be fair, I did think they were pretty impressive. They sort of grew into the game and once they took the lead, there was never really any doubt that, that they were going to win win that particular tie. But uh yeah, it's it's as you were. We are going to um, kind of preview next week's games as a whole, but just looking at those individual teams to separate them from the bunch, PSG St Etienne at 12 o'clock on a Sunday just feels and sounds really wrong to me. I guess it doesn't matter at the moment because no crowds, etc. and so on, but just feels like a really weird place for that. But uh, that's the, the PSG game. Of course, they're going to have played Bayern Munich in midweek, so... It's going to be tough for them. Lyon Montpellier on the Friday night. Um, Phil, you'll certainly have a, a an eye on that one, and we'll come on to Montpellier uh, briefly in a mo when we look at the rest of the action. But that's that's no straightforward task for the Gaultiers men, you would imagine. And then we've got. I'm right thinking Montpellier unbeaten in thirteen or something. It sounds right. I did see a, a stat the other day about their unbeaten record, and I must admit I raised an eyebrow, so I didn't realise it was as many as, as it appeared. So uh, I need to fact-check that one, but I, I have no reason to doubt you. Um, Bordeaux host Monaco, and um, Bordeaux, somebody on this podcast last week said that he fancied them at St Etienne. I don't know who that was. I think we fired him. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Monaco have got enough to win that one, albeit away from home. And uh, Nantes-Lyon is the Sunday night game. That one, for me, has banana skin written all over it. No, that's got 1-0 Lyon written all over it for me. It's going to be a dull game, but they're going to win. I don't know. I I just have this sort of, again, it's one of my hunches that either could go horribly right or horribly wrong. But I think that might be the toughest of the three. And and I feel like at this stage, and I don't know if if you both agree, but I feel like all four need to keep winning now at the minute one of them drops points uh albeit depends what position they are in the table at the time but the minute one of these teams drops drops points that that could be enough to to, to get them out of this title race so it's who blinks first but it's it's one of those weeks where all four sides will look at those fixtures and think we can continue winning so um i guess we will see where the shake-up is let's um go back to and kind of wrap up the rest of the of the games. Um, I guess really the main or the main one just to to give a little bit more time to than the others is, is that Montpellier three Marseille three game. Uh, it was just yeah, bonkers. The, the Europa League derby. Um, yeah, what a game though, and, what, and a couple of unbelievably good goals. Uh, 
fabulous. I mean, I think Andy Delore scored in, I think it was 27 seconds. It's the fastest goal this season. And then scored again on 30 minutes, but that was chalked off. They were dominating completely, but then lost their minds completely uh, just before half-time, where Milik managed to score through Hilton's legs and then Papagay got the second on the stroke of half-time. So that felt like a a proper kick in the guts, but then Laborde scored just after the restart and then uh, Chalatasar got sent off for... That beard annoys me. I mean, he annoys me as a player, but that beard makes him look even more annoying. I don't know why that is. So the last half an hour, OM are down to 10 men, but manage to go further ahead. Uh, no, to Yes, to go ahead again by uh, Perrin on 71 minutes. And the last 10 minutes were utter chaos. I thought Mandanda actually did a read. For someone who conceded three goals in a match, he did a really good job. Mm. See what I mean? And then it was a 93rd-minute equaliser from Laborde. Now, I think given that they were playing against 10 men for 30 minutes and had dominated the first kind of, 45, uh, Montpellier should probably feel a little bit like we need to actually watch this tape and discuss stuff. Um, But the fact is, if you get a 93rd minute equaliser, you're probably just going to be probably just going to be dancing around. So it was chaos. It did mean that Marseille stay up in the sixth spot and Montpellier didn't get the chance to go go on at them and obviously Lance who will maybe come on to in a moment um, seemed to have fifth place uh, sewn up at the moment So, but it was a really really fun match to watch again uh, as a fan blood pressure issues but it was chaos and it was um, highly enjoyable chaos I think really yeah some really high level uh, finishes Delors finish for the opener was was terrific Milik's uh, equalizer was equally brilliant i thought i thought he got a touch fortunate with the nutmeg although he was clearly trying to nutmeg it and i got, thought he got a little fortunate in the fact that he kind of I'm, dinked it through his legs but i, um, I mean i i i love Hilden, yeah i think the it's age starting kind of, to show he turned like a truck as Millet charged through the middle um yeah. and and that Laborde header that was peak Alan Shearer in the 90th minute love that that's, <laughs> that's a proper center forward header and and for those who saying who are saying because I, I did see uh, a certain Marseille fan I think we um we all know who I might be referring to on Twitter uh suggested that the the referee has a thing against Marseille and that it was never a red card that's a red card. I don't care. Anyone says differently. I just, I'm not having it. it. He was out of control. It was high. It was dangerous. Sure, Sambia made a bit of a meal of it, but I challenge anyone. Did you also say anything about Payet telling them Pellier's coach to go fuck his mother? That was also something. Did you see his face when the equaliser went in? That was that was quite a thing. I think I tweeted a picture of it. That was quite the thing. But yeah, um, that's the benefit of no crowd. You hear it all go on. But um, no, I just, I just thought it was a... a poor challenge and uh game as well when you're in the uk uh, jonathan pierce um suggesting that alvaro gonzalez was about to walk due to the look in his eyes was um rather amusing i'm sure you love that one jazz as well good old jonathan anywho we move um 
other results elsewhere, we saw Ren beat Nantes to uh, further uh, give Nantes the collie wobbles. Um, it was a stunning goal. Martin Terrier, a first time shot. I must admit, I, I double took because I was like, oh, that's just Clement Grenier doing Clement Grenier things. But it wasn't at all. It was Terrier. Uh, to describe it across from the right hand side, it comes to him. Uh, on the left-hand side of the of the penalty area, right foot, first time, bending up and away into the top corner. Stunning, stunning goal. Whether you're winning any game, and it, it gives Nantes uh, a bit of a problem, as you said, because um, once again, they're back on the losing train. That's two straight defeats, and they remain in 19th as a result. But a uh, good, good win for Wren, who have form has recovered. Uh, four unbeaten, they're up to seventh. Uh, we saw Brest and Nîmes draw 1-1. Kone uh, with the opener for Nîmes before Chardonnay getting the equaliser for Brest, both goals in the first half, uh, a result that doesn't really help Neem uh, hugely, but uh, a point is better than nothing. They stay in the 18th uh, relegation playoff spot. They um, do, however, gain a point on Lorient, who unfortunately were uh, rather handed their asses at, uh, at Lons. Kakuta with the opener from the penalty spot. Terran Moffi had equalised before Corentin Jean, Muninga and Baza with, sorry, Baza, Banza with a late penalty, securing a win. Uh, unfortunately, Lorient were never really in this game. And Lorient probably should have had a penalty last went in the other end and had one instead. That would be a fair, fair judgment. I still think they'd have lost, but I, I totally agree. Uh, it could have been very different had that been awarded. Not but... Getting the rubber to green from authorities. I know, but but as Phil said, they are three points clear of Marseille in fifth. And that, that race is, is kind of interesting in itself. But um, yeah, I, I won't be bitter. Uh, nice nil, rounds nil, nothing to see here. Let's move on. St Etienne for Bordeaux won. As I said last week, I, I fancied Bordeaux for this one. themselves together a little bit. It's I mean, weird. When, you, when you see the word St Etienne and four next to them, um, you do kind of not just double take, triple take, maybe four times take, because I but didn't see that coming. There were a lot of penalties this weekend, and there were three in this game. Yeah, two, two um, of Kazri's hat-trick were penalties indeed. Yeah, and then Yusuf got the other one, and uh, Bordeaux was one for Huang, who's been doing his best in very trying circumstances. Yeah, he's having a lovely time. It yeah. seemed like, was it... Um, that Ben Arthur didn't start, but then every panicked and he had to come on. It's like there is something very, very bad going on. It's Bordeaux yeah. behind the scenes at the moment. It's like nobody seems to have any uh, authority. Well, Ben Arthur came on on the 57th minute, so yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a substitute. Uh, it's four defeats in, in five for Bordeaux. They, they just have the look of a team to Three me. Three wins uh, in four, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I bow to you to you on that one, Jez. You you were right to say they were clear. I think I'm willing to give you that. And it's now Bordeaux who are suddenly looking over their shoulders. But they have the look of Bordeaux have the look of a team that are on the beach um and the sandals are on, and then someone runs out and goes, Um, lads, we're not finished yet, and they're frantically going through their bags. Oh, I don't boots. think they're on the beach. I think they're having a really, really large argument around a whiteboard somewhere in the, in the in the training ground I mean, they just look like nobody agrees on anything yeah but it, it is worrying isn't it because you, you know you do look at that that race for the relegation spot if you will and yeah okay Neymar six points back which at this stage of the season is, is a pretty hefty amount to make up with only six games left but um Laura on 32 points and you've got Brest Bordeaux Strasbourg all on 36 points it only takes Bordeaux to continue to 
to lose the way they're losing and, and a couple of teams below them to pick up points and things can very quickly change. So I think they, they want to get themselves a win. That's for sure. Just to make uh, critically sure that they are above that drop line. But uh, it certainly wasn't this weekend, as you say, going down by four goals to one. And uh, that indeed was the weekend that was in Liga. As I say, slightly briefer this week, but we wanted to focus on the, the title race. I've already told you what games are coming up for the big guns, but elsewhere on Saturday, we got Angers against Rennes in a decidedly sort of mid to upper table clash. We've got uh, Marseille at Lorient, which I shall be taking in at uh, four o'clock on uh, on Saturday. Um, again, that's a game that, that could be fairly watchable given both teams' situations at both ends of the table. And then on Sunday, the games we haven't mentioned are the two o'clock games, the Multiplex Brest against Lens, Dijon against Nice. I think I'm right in saying if Nice win that, Dijon could be gone. I may have worked that out wrong, but certainly not far off. Uh, Nîmes hosts Strasbourg. That's probably not one for the purists. Uh, Rams against Metz. And uh, we mentioned Bordeaux and uh, Nantes games on the Sunday afternoon and evening. So, uh, yes. Brest-Lens could be the best match. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, because because Brest again, if you look at those clubs who need maybe one more win just to be sure, Brest fall into that category. And and as we mentioned, Lons are certainly looking to secure that place. I, the, I team, the team that starts with BR, who play brilliant football but are near the bottom because they can't score enough goals and need one more win to be sure, doesn't sound familiar to me at all as a Brighton fan. <laughs> Don't know what you mean. Don't, oh Christ! Don't don't mention. Don't, we we all we already had a debate on that one the other day, didn't we, Crikey? But um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think probably the next two to three weeks we will will get a good idea as to whether we're going to have final day drama or whether things will be uh, secured and dealt with and done. So, speaking of secured, dealt with and done, um, before we do wrap up this week, Phil, we've had some. Cooked Frots action. Did you want to bring us up to speed with where we are in that competition? So we had the uh, VTMs and we had one cup set, but that wasn't a big one. It was uh, Canet Roussillon of National 2 beating Boulogne of National. So we have in the last eight, the quarterfinals apparently taking place at lunchtime on Wednesday the 21st. I'm presuming that's a typo from Lucky. But um, we have five Ligue 1 teams, Toulouse from Ligue 2, and the aforementioned Canet and Rumi, um, who beat Le Puy of the same uh same division from National Deux. So we've got two National Deux teams, one of whom is playing Canet playing Montpellier, Brumier playing Toulouse. So there's a chance we could get somebody through on that one. Um the Canet other not at Marseille. Mm. What? Pardon? Canet knocked out Marseille. Yes, in the previous round. So yeah, they're, bears, bears yeah, they've they've got definite definite previous. form ongoing. Mm. And we also have PSG versus Angers, which I think we all know PSG are going through, and Lyon Monaco as uh, the final one. So that could be kind of fun. See who's going to uh, 
bet the farm on uh, on a midweek game in the cup as opposed to uh, the top four league on situation. So we should have more from uh, our man in the grounds or not, John Mainland. Um, but there were, it was, you know, particularly after Monaco had hammered Mets in the previous league game, the fact that it was a nil-nil draw and took a penalty <laughs> win um, to win it uh, in the cup game seemed maybe um, maybe a little bit uh, of a consolation. Or... Well, I, I do owe Jez a public apology, which I'm going to do on this podcast now. Um, I was losing on penalties any kind of consolation. Well, no, no, it wasn't that. I, I, no, no, oh, I oh, sorry, my, yeah. No, I, I, I owe you an apology, though, because I was uh, following all that game on a uh, popular betting app and um, I glanced over and, and thought that you'd won on penalties. So I congratulated you after you'd lost and I probably ruined your evening. So I apologise for that. That was uh, that um, was poor. <laughs> another penalty, uh, penalty situation was that Leon were actually pretty lucky to go through after drawing 2-2 with Red Star of Nacional. Um, Paqueta uh, scored for OL and then set Memphis up for the second. They looked like they were um, cruising and at half time, and then Red Star brought it back to 2-2 in the second half. Uh, the Roy free kick to equalise was wonderful, but then, yeah, there was a penalty shootout yeah. and uh, Leon won 5-4. So... We do okay. have two minnows through who both have a little bit previous and we get some good Liga, all Liga um, fixtures as well with uh, Leon Monaco. So on the 24th, on the 21st, sorry, of April at lunchtime, apparently there should be a couple of good games on. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. Excellent. Excellent. We will look forward to that. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, it does appear that we won't have fans in grounds, um, certainly for the rest of this season. But it's good that we're getting this season dealt with. Um, however, if you live in England, great news. Uh, Covid no longer exists in England. Everything's fine as of today. So don't worry about it. It will soon spread to Europe as well. We'll be fine. Well, after, after recent events, can I also just mention there was a friendly match between uh, France and England, the women's teams. Uh, which, due to the uh, decease of a certain 99-year-old um, uh, king consort, um, wasn't actually on TV in the UK. Um, but what was interesting about this, France won 3-1, and given the recent COVID situation at Lyon, most of the Lyon players were not available. Some of them were, but I think a lot of us have asked the question about the France women's team over the years. If Leap didn't exist, what would they look like? And we got a decent glimpse of this, which was they're actually still pretty good. And obviously, um, England may not have been in the best shape either, but they are a big team to be playing in a friendly. All of the players post-match mentioned that. Diakra mentioned it post-match. Uh, it was Baltimore got the first. I say he scored a penalty. Katoto got uh, one late on. Diani um, assisted both Baltimore and Katoto's goals. But it, I think it was really important that we saw 
a France team that wasn't dominated by Lyon players were still capable of playing a really good, a really physical game as well um, and beating England uh, 3-1 in that. So that was, uh, in a sense, a, a, a reassuring sign that it is not just Lyon who are good at football. Um, and uh, hopefully as we we see the Women's Champions League going forward because um, the PSG OL second leg has been put off because of the uh, COVID outbreak at uh, Lyon that uh, hopefully one of them will go on to get the highest honours as well. Yeah, we can but hope that, that all of the seasons get uh, get finished as they should do in all the competitions as well. And uh, friendlies in mid-season, it will never catch on. <laughs> uh, anyway, that is where we will leave this week. Uh, for those of you who are fans of Ligue 2, um, I had it kind of worked in to mention it this week, but um, we have run out of time this week, so I will mention it next week just to let you know that uh, Toulouse, um, who are currently second in Ligue 2, are playing tonight. So we'll have a better idea as to the stable after next weekend's action. So we will mention that as well as look back at all of the weekend's action that is upcoming. So a tune in to that. Um, plenty of enjoyable games to look forward to this weekend. And uh, unless you're of the Marseille supporting persuasion, uh, try and get behind PSG in their Champions League game tomorrow. Because I think, as we said earlier, it'd be good for French football if they can continue to progress in that competition. So uh, until next week, uh, it just remains for me to thank my colleagues Jez and Phil for their time. So thank you both. Merci. And I'm off for a little lay down to recover my breath because I still feel knackered because I'm old <laughs> and out of shape. But uh, until then, uh, enjoy your elite athletes, which I am very much not one. And enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you very soon. <laughs> <laughs>